we are back. We are back. Welcome to Match Point Number Nine, a tennis bets podcast. I am your host, David EJ Berger. I'm very excited to be back once again. The highlight of my week. Hopefully, it's one of the highlights of your week. You can find our show handle at MB9 Tennis on Twitter. And if this is your first time listening to us, that's probably how you found us. So, welcome. Thank you for listening. With me, as always, is my number one tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. What's up, everybody? Good to be back on the mics again. Um, Derek Kunimura, and you can find me on Twitter at Furrer versus Nagal. Legendary tennis handle. I love that, Derek. I looked it up. They've never played each other. <laughs> you're you're basically <laughs> writing tennis fan fiction. <laughs> I, I definitely am. We are a tennis bets podcast. We are going to talk about tennis and we are going to talk about betting on tennis i'm very excited but before we do that before we hop into the gambling we like to i I, you know kick it off with a little content that's uh just for the tennis fan a little life of a tennis fan and uh let me tell you what derek i got i got some stories for you over the weekend that i could i could spin right now about the life of a tennis fan (laughs) dish it let's hear it Okay, well, first of all, if you've listened to the show before, or if you listened to it last week at least, you know that I am now changing my Zoom backgrounds for work to the current week of ATP sites. This week I did ATP Munich. It's a bit. Of, it's been hard. I have to pick one of the two the last couple of weeks, but I, I went with Munich. And I jokingly put this uh, proposition out there last week that someone may actually be like, "Oh, hey, uh, Dave, I've uh, noticed that that uh, you actually uh, changed your background. Uh, what you? Uh, what? What? Where are? Where is? Where is that this week? Well, let me tell you what, Derek. You put <laughs> things out in the universe; they happen." Yeah, that you, just keep, you gotta keep forcing it. You gotta keep forcing it. Because that situation almost verbatim happened to me this <laughs> week at work. And then of course we had a grand old conversation about tennis uh and uh you know what's going on, the top players. Uh oh wait, no, we did not. I'll tell you what happened, Derek. <laughs> I finally got my in. They're like, oh, uh, I see you changed your background. Uh, where are they this week? Oh, they're in Munich. That's why I changed it. You big tennis guy. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't know that. And? Yeah, that was it, Derek. <laughs> okay. That's exactly how I thought it would go, except <laughs> for the part where somebody actually chimed in. Uh, I mean, I was you're like, making well, progress here making progress inches inches here and then i i would like to say you know over the weekend we had you know pretty amazing moment carlos alcarez wins another big tournament i mean this kid is i mean i hate to use the term seismic shift but i Mm -hmm. mean it's uh what's happening with alcarez winning is a pretty big deal in the tennis world i i do feel like the game is changing and uh i'm bursting out of my body wanting to talk about this this is on sunday so my my three-year-old had a party uh for her birthday on sunday a lot of friends over a lot of friends that know me know i uh-huh. like tennis yeah I, I bet you they were talking about tennis with you huh uh no that would be a big no derek uh i'm like trying to force it being like i'm trying to like try i'm trying to like grab comparisons i'm like out here it's like uh you know if like, like it's like when like lebron hit the scene or like uh even, even people be like we're kind of like poo-pooing it being like you know yeah but like a lot of these guys they hit the scene when they're young and they don't go anywhere, you know, it's all about Nadal and Federer and, you know, Djokovic. I'm like, are you, no. All right. Uh, to that end, uh, Alcaraz, now the number one player on ELO. All right. Well, m- maybe for her fourth birthday, people might actually know about it and might actually know who freaking Alcaraz is. I, I, like- I, I do feel like a seismic shift is coming i mean between the netflix show and i mean carlos carlos alcaraz is just we're going to talk about him a lot coming up yeah so, i was just about to say that he seems well, like well, he's well, going to be a, a weekly we'll, we'll topic. put it we'll put it away for now and we'll pivot to our next segment derek and uh as i say every week uh you know we're about to talk about stuff that's gonna die after 
X amount of days, but I, I would like to have some stuff on this podcast that doesn't die instantaneously or by a Sunday uh, when we put this out. And so uh, welcome once again, Derek, to Ever in the Green. This is our segment uh, where we just talk, uh, you know, kind of um, macroly about tennis betting and what I'm going to try to pinpoint here with this segment each week the market you know it's like listen there's a lot of guys out there talking about tennis forehands backhands who has a good baseline game what we're going to try to fulfill each week in this segment is just market analysis of the tennis slates i mean we're out here grinding every week looking at them sometimes probably too much let's see what we can heed just from looking at the market derek what do you think uh, it's always best to look at all your options and don't just look at the money line. Don't just look at the spreads. Don't just look at the over-unders. There's a lot more options, especially if you're on a book like Bovada. I remember being on Bet Online. That thing was kind of trash. They were basically just only give you the odds for the options that I, get, I just mentioned. Um, but like Bovada, um, fortunately, being in California, I don't have access to DraftKings and FanDuel sportsbooks and stuff like that. So I don't know exactly what kind of prop odds they got. Yeah, if you don't have access to those, get a Bovada account at least. You can get that all throughout the United States. This is by no way an endorsement for Bovada. I'm not giving you a referral link or anything like that. Um, But I'm just saying you should do that just to check out the odds and give yourself other options. No, but what you're advocating for is uh, big menus. And I I actually think um, internationally speaking, I think they offer bigger menus. Uh, We're a bit limited here in the U.S. in in some respects. That said, Derek, you know, this podcast has a reach of eight countries. So uh, I just want to put that out there. But uh, worldwide. Worldwide. So, Derek, what I would like to point out today is... uh, Using the odds to help you make your play, okay? And and how we're going to do that today is looking at the game's total. Now, the game's total is something that, you know, some guys don't like to play. We had, you know, Kale Hammond on, podcast favorite, uh, a tennis thought leader. You know, great guy. Love Kale. He doesn't like playing game's totals. I don't blame him. They're volatile. But you know what? Sometimes the odds makers provide you a pathway to figuring out how to play it because they're booking a lot of different stuff. So, okay, let's, let's dive into this. And I also just want to point out too, Derek conventional wisdom on all totals across prop bets. This is not just tennis, any sport. I don't know if, if people know this, it's just a good lesson that I learned listening to other smart people talk about this stuff. The conventional wisdom on totals is the under. Okay. Because <laughs> I'll tell you what, you have to hit the over for it to cash, <laughs> right? <laughs> and for you to hit the over, sometimes you need a lot of help. So the under is the conventional way to go playing any sort of total. That said, let's look at how to play an over based on the odds makers, okay? When you dive into the the prop bets and uh, the deeper bets, the bigger menu off the main slate, you can look at the plus 1.5 set prop. Now that essentially means that the player is going to want to set. Okay. And other sides have just a player to want to set as well. If both sides are booked over minus 200 to win a set, but they haven't adjusted the game's total really at all to the kind of neutral. I mean, when you get, it's kind of like, you know, in all these sports they have, you know, in hockey, like, it's a neutral uh, puck line at minus one and a half. Baseball is kind of the same, minus one and a half. And, and tennis in a three-set match, it's like minus 22. It kind of fluctuates a little bit more than those other examples, but it's about, you know, 22, 22 and a half, 23. So if they have both players booked at over minus 200 to win a set, but they have the game's total at 23, 22 and a half, I mean, you're looking at a pretty good angle at an over here. I mean, the odds makers have basically, I mean, at that point when they have an over $2 mark for them both to win a set, I mean, 
and then they just have it at like 23 minus 115. I mean, they're kind of counterintuitive to their own bookmaking. Would you agree, Derek? No, I totally agree. It's like the the odds makers give you hints on what to do sometimes. And this is like a very good instance of that. Sometimes you don't know what play exactly to make and the odds makers can make that decision for you. Um, The thing that I have an issue with this is like, say for instance, uh, they're both like whatever, minus 200 to win a set. And then the over is um, whatever, 22 and a half. And then if the conventional wisdom is that you bet under, are you, is, is it sometimes better to look at it the other way? Like thinking that, oh, maybe I should bet that one of these players isn't going to win a set. Well, that's a good point, Derek. Uh, but I, I, I would say the, the I reason I, I put you on the spot here, but it's no, like, no. But the but reason like, I'm pointing this out is because, like, if bookmakers are saying over two dollars a favorite to win a set, they're mm-hmm. not saying that lightly. I mean, that's no. that's heavy odds. Yeah, yeah, no. And my what a point is that is that to actually you set me up because that two dollar threshold is important. Like if it's minus one eighty five, I would not heed that as a potential. Like okay. if, if one side is like minus three hundred, and yeah. the other side is minus one eighty five, I don't. I would not consider that as the same as two sides being over that minus two hundred mark. Uh huh. You're saying that 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 story might not play out, obviously, because of the correct. Yeah, like and yeah, I have an example coming up, but let me point out a couple of examples of where this did cash, which was recently with Fritz and uh, Fokina, both booked over minus 200 to win a set those you know that went that cruised over and 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 uh, a match that same day her cash and dimitrov both booked booked over minus 200 and cruised over as well and that's kind of was like the you know the reason i i thought of making this a segment uh like this um now the flip side of this which you're kind of hinting at right now you know is you can also use these odds to kind of guide you the opposite side, you know, like I got burned on this earlier this week, you know, if a side is booked at minus 400 and the other side is, you know, under minus 200, maybe minus 185, like I had with uh Tobiner and Lloyd Harris, you know, I thought, you know, Lloyd was looking pretty good. Maybe that's uh, a potential overplay. I wasn't really actually looking at the lines to help me make that move. I was more of like, you know, it was more of like a clay or Lloyd seems like a, a solid play on clay based off last week. Mm-hmm. was looking pretty good, even though he did have um, injury concern. But I do feel like on, on the flip side, you could use it to uh, not just inform the game's total, but maybe even inform your pick on the games line because in this example Tobiner was minus three right so yeah. and he was minus 425 to win a set so he's ahead i mean like at minus 425 to win a set like i borderline want to say this guy's gonna <laughs> win a set <laughs> yeah 100 percent. yeah <laughs> you know like I mean, bar- barring anything unforeseen so then at that point you know I, you know he's a three game favorite you know, Harris is minus one eighty five. I this is why I'm given the the minus two hundred threshold because, you know, it's like the odds makers think that Dominer is going to win a set. So then, take a conventional wisdom as you were saying, play the under. If this guy's so heavy to win a set, then maybe yeah, you do want to play the under here because you know the the odds are telling you that one set is going one way, and then basically like going against odds for the next <laughs> set to, to go the other way. Like you basically need Lloyd Harris. Like if, if he's going to, you know, when at least win a set, then you're basically counting on Lloyd Harris, who's an underdog to win a set at that point. So in a way, what you're saying is totally, is totally right Derek. Cause like you could use these odds to play it the other way as well. Yeah, no, I'm with you on this. Cause it's like, I, I was just bringing that up because I know some people are pretty listening and like trying to poke holes in this or some bullshit. But um, like I've used this strategy before to great success. And I'd say I won more than I lost. And yeah, it's just like it, if the only time I lost really was like for I don't remember the specific match or anything, but it would just be something like 
the Holger Rune Zvera match today or something like that. There was just like a clear upset, yeah, a straight set upset and things like that. Um, so something crazy has to happen in order for you to lose this. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's trend betting. I, you know, I, I have mixed feelings about trend betting. Sometimes I, I want to follow the trend. Sometimes I don't. I, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's we're, we're sitting here trying to pick winners. Why not read the board mm-hmm. and heed what the odds makers are telling you to make your play? Yeah, no, I'm with that because they're always trying to paint a picture of how the story is going to go. Their job is to do this all the time. So I would trust them uh, doing like all the heavy lifting instead of uh, you trying to just sift through a bunch of wreck or like old stats and all this kind of stuff like that. And they all have this at hand and they got all their algorithms and everything. So uh, they'll figure this out way faster than we can do it. And sometimes they just kind of give us the answer too. Yeah, I would also like to point out that, um, I mean, think of it this way, too. You can maybe use it to inform your pick on a game line because if they have, you know, Tabiner, like, minus 425 to win a set, okay, so that's one game, at least, you know, the, the odds are leaning towards, right? Mm-hmm. So then you can kind of prognosticate, like, the rest of the, the matchup. Do you think you're going to get that other two games? So. There, there's a way to kind of to use this info to help influence game spread as well. As, you know, most sets are two games, you know? Yeah. So just check the deeper cuts of, of props and things they offer. We've, we've talked about this before about how they're wrong, but this is kind of the flip side of that, how they might be right and how it could influence a bet. All right, Derek. Well, let's talk about some real action on these tennis courts. We're kind of on a heater, okay? Mm-hmm. ATP Barcelona recap. I picked Carlos Alcaraz to win that. Not only did I say he was going to win, I said it was his to lose, which he did not. And uh, I want to pat myself on the back right now. Good job, me. And uh, bad job, me. Uh, I picked Sitsipas to win. Uh, pretty sure that he lost the next day after we recorded. He lost to uh, Carlos, right? And... I don't know. I just thought that Carlos wasn't that great of a clay player for some reason. Um, but like, I didn't think he wasn't a bad clay player. I just thought that after um, the week prior, I thought that his stock went down on the clay courts while Sitsipasa's stock somehow even got higher. Um, boy, was I wrong. Now he just beat Sitsipas yet again. He did. And he, uh, he did it um, in a doubleheader that day as well. Actually, the, the the weather was affecting that tournament all week. I also nailed that he would be the favorite, um, and that line kind of that kind of that line did a bit of a journey. I think he opened up minus one forty three, got up to minus one forty seven, then came back down. I was watching it for as we spoke last week about you know I like to watch the line movement, see what's going on, and help that influence my play, and then. As soon as that crashed back down to Alcaraz, I felt really good. Um, when it went up a little bit, I was a little concerned. But then when it came back down and, and all the money was coming in on on Sitsipas, I felt pretty good. And yeah. Uh, and yeah, I think that worked out pretty well. So then Derek Alcaraz, though, he has a three-hour-plus thriller with Demonor. Mm-hmm. Okay. This this is what kind of what we were talking about last week about like circumstance influencing lines so much, and you know it's the same day. How do you even book a you know a tennis match in the same day? Really, it's it is tough. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he opened up I think minus one sixty two on the the money line, and I I posted that. I also played the games cover as well. I mean, if there's any match in which an eighteen year old is going to win, it's a doubleheader. Against the thirty-year-old, <laughs> yeah, he played Busta. Busta had a great tournament. He took down Schwartzman earlier in that same day. He also beat Rude. Rude was my pick for that bottom of the half of the bracket, and he Rude Rude proving once again to to not be uh, I don't know to not be something. No, he didn't. Uh, I want to go back to Busta real quick. Okay, so he's thirty years old. Um, mm-hmm. 
Carlos. It, but, and this is his tournament. He's done pretty well in this tournament in um, recent years. So he's 30. Carlos is a young buck. Um, Busta doesn't have power. He's notorious for that. Carlos, he can just put away anything that's slightly under hit. Like he can just smack winners with that. He just, Busta's just going to be teeing, teeing uh, Carlos up for the rest of his career. I have this hunch that Busta is never going to win a match against them ever. Maybe not a set. <laughs> I'll give him a set. I don't know how that's going to happen. It's very possible it might not. But yeah, I, I feel like Busta is just going to end his career going over against Carlos. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, we I, we always try to pick on Busta in the right spots because he's very breakable, doesn't have a lot of power. I mean, listen to the broadcast. They, they kill this guy when every broadcast are like, doesn't have a lot of weapons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He won a bronze medal is like his feet, which is kind of funny in my head because it's like we don't even celebrate second place victories at any tournament except for <laughs> the Olympics. So, yeah, I don't he, did know. Beat, he did beat Schwartzman, which was a little surprise. Well, I mean, first off, we should also just point out that these courts were kind of like hard quarter friendly all week. Uh, as we talked about last time, but I, I mean, with the weather, I thought that Schwartzman, you know, that might lean a little you know, Schwartzman, but um, no, Schwartz gave it up. Yeah, he gave it up. <laughs> also, he, um, good good on Busta. I mean, Busta would have been a great live bet. He literally was facing Rude serving for the match, and he came back to win. Yeah. Um, so, damn. I mean, Busta, you know, he's a baller. I'm not, listen, we can talk shit about him and poo poo him but he's still around he's still i i, I think boost is okay i mean we did cash a huge uh pick with uh Giron beating him in alcapoco that was pretty dope we, yeah. we we posted that and played that that was fucking great but he's definitely gonna win matches i'm just saying yeah, he's definitely he's, gonna win matches he's not gonna win one against carlos i definitely not i listened to the atp podcast for you so you don't have to and in that i heard Carlos Alcaraz listens to the Rocky theme before his matches. His kid's 18 years old. He's listened to a theme from 1979, Derek. Uh, very surprising to me. I thought maybe something more contemporary would be in that playlist, but uh, Rocky, man, the legend lives on. Yeah, when I saw you write that, I thought you meant ASAP Rocky. I'm, I'm not even making a joke. <laughs> but um, it, I, I was wrong. It was something from a, a whole different decade. <laughs> so yeah, I, if that's what helps him win, yeah, go for it. I, I guess keep listening to that. Put that stuff on repeat. A little surprising to me that I when I heard that that he <laughs> listens to the Rocky theme. Uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, Alcaraz now has an enroll in Elo, which is kind of a big deal. Because yeah. that means he's ranked on some list somewhere over Djokovic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, the real question is, how do you play Carlos moving forward? I guess live. But I will say this, though. I mean, the ADM line was, insane. first off, I think it opened like minus 900. And then it, it closed at like minus 12 or 1300 or something like that. So it had like a $4 movement on it. And it got from like minus... Like five, I think it moved from minus five to minus six, like a full game. Damn. I mean, we know that the the courts were hardcore friendly courts. So I don't know. I I didn't post it because I was like, I I don't like betting against Alcaraz, but a four dollar movement on a line feels like, hey, maybe I'll take those six games with ADM. So that's something to heed moving forward. Because he will get fat lines like that. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to bet against him ever. Like, do you ever bet against Novak? <laughs> I mean, do you even bet on him down a set now? Fuck. Uh, yeah. 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 I don't know which way. I mean, even like last year, it's like, what the hell? Like, I would never bet against Novak. I, I mean, I have, <laughs> but I, I don't think I won unless Medvedev was playing. I think Alcaraz live. Well, it just depends because it just depends. It just depends on what they give us versus top opponents. 
if they're still going to kind of underrate him. I mean, the fact that the line was minus 162 against Busta, that was a gift. That was a gift. So I don't think we're going to see that moving forward, especially with a straight state win where he just bodied him and beat the shit out of him. So I don't mm-hmm. know, man. Plus a lot of these guys that are facing Alcaraz, it's like really they're whatever, first through, third time even facing him. So they're still trying to get a feel for him. And obviously Carlos on the other end, Seems like he's got a feel for everybody. He was just a good player, yeah. So, yeah, take that match by match. Don't just jump into Carlos just because you see Carlos's name on the the bet slip. I'll say if Carlos is under minus 180, it is an auto play. You have mm-hmm. to play it. You have to play it. No matter what. No matter what. Rule Look with the results. If you get Carlos Alcaraz under minus 180, which is kind of a threshold for me, like, I mean, I, I don't like to lay a lot of juice, you know. One over minus one eighty is like too much juice for me, but I will lay juice at minus one sixty two with Carlos Alcaraz. That's just yeah. a fact. I did notice that odds makers aren't giving him like the Rafa or Djokovic odds, and maybe that's part of the public too. Could be. It's going to be interesting coming up. I mean, he will have more matches versus better opponents, so. But he's going to be juiced to the fucking high heavens coming up. And you know mm-hmm. what, though? Take advantage of that, though, because this kid does give up. I mean, he wasn't exactly covering games lines all tournament. Um, he wasn't invincible. He did win it. And, you know, we thought we would win. But, I mean, the ADM line was six. And, he, you know, it was a three-set thriller. Yeah. So, I mean, look, look for spots where the line might be a little bit too big because uh, he – Coughs it up. He he UEs on clay. Yeah, he does have slow starts at times. I do notice that. So that's probably where he, he lost the sweat. He lost the set to Quan. I mean, like, what do we like? <laughs> uh, like, that's embarrassing. Yeah, he lost a Demonor too, right? Uh, the first set. Well, Demonor is like at least a decent player. Like Quan yeah. is like someone that Alcaraz should never lose like a game to, let alone a set. Can't wait to talk about that asshole. Well, what about yeah? We're coming up on that one. That's gonna be that's. Uh, let's do a little bit more of a, a briefer ATP Belgrade recap. Uh, Rub- Rublev beats Djokovic. Bagels him in the third set, in fact, to win. I thought Rublev looked pretty good all week, actually, uh, especially when it came to returning. And a good win for him overall, considering the off-the-court stuff. Uh, I believe the Wimbledon ban came down during that week, and uh, he gets out a, a-, a title. And it was a little uh, portfolio there. So pretty pretty cool for Rublev. Um, we we posted him 2-0 against Fanini. I think it was like minus 105. I was like, are you fucking? That was like autoplay. <laughs> um, that was a nice win for us, Derek. Anything? How, I mean, I don't know how to read this whole. I mean, I'm not taking a lot. I mean, it was nice for Rublev to win, but I'm I, not taking a whole lot. Uh, from that win and moving forward he's a nice player i don't think that he's a someone that i'm really concerned about moving forward in terms of being like a, a clay slam champ or something or anything it was it was a good week for him yeah uh Rublev gets wins that's what he does and he beats players that are better than him and he sometimes loses the players worse than him so right now he's just on an absolute heater and he's what He's beat all those big guys on his last time playing. I'm like Novak and Rafa, I think Fed too, and Medvedev. Finally got a win against him last year. And then uh, Zverev as well, right? Um, so, yeah, just just don't go all in on him or just don't think he's an autoplay is what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I wouldn't read too much in this Rublev win, but he did look pretty good this week. I thought he returned pretty well i mean i also feel like people don't know that he's kind of a a dude on clay court he's got a lot of clay court titles not a lot but he has multiple at this point clay court titles uh i'm not sure how to read this novak situation um because here's why i here's why i think it's hard to read because if you listen to him he's building up you know his uh, physique his 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 in match you know cardio if you will he's he's learning to get his legs back but then he also has um 
veteran celebrations. <laughs> I mean, he's in full form when it comes to celebrating with the crowd, which was a Serbian crowd. Don't get me wrong. It was his home crowd. But like, I mean, how are you going to claim that you're trying to work back to like being in shape and then like do these full on celebrations like your fucking top form? <laughs> it's a little, yeah. little bit of a mixed message. The answer is, is that he's just a psychopath. <laughs> It's basically what it is. That demonic celebration that he has every single time he wins a match. Uh, it's just, that's just never going to end. It's just the demon coming out of him. But yeah, I don't know how to read this situation either. He seems like he's trying to find his form, which he seemingly um, is getting to uh, each and every match. Uh, he's looking better in every match. Uh, I expected him to actually lose to Kekmanovic. That obviously did not happen. But yeah, I don't I don't know how to look at this going from tournament to tournament. I feel like I, he'll just keep getting better. Yeah, I mean that's what he should do. And but yeah, I wouldn't bet on this guy even in the first round of the next tournament that he's in. You would take the other side of a Novak Djokovic. Oh, I just wouldn't even play that match at all. I don't you know, would, just because it's so difficult to read at this point. Not as bad as team who we'll talk about coming up but it is uh <laughs> it is a situation to monitor you mentioned your uh Kuzmanovic, uh prediction i had another bold prediction and that was holger runa <laughs> uh i literally said he was beating tarot daniel fact and then before this even hit podcast fees he had fucking lost to tarot daniel <laughs> so he made me look like an asshole there but derek i'll tell you what He's coming through today because <laughs> let's pivot to this week in ATP Munich. Holger takes down top seed Alexander Zverev, and he's cashing two narratives for me that I have been spinning on this podcast. One that he is a player to watch out for and on the come up, and the other that Big Z struggles against someone younger than him. He takes down Zverev 6-3-6-2. I mean, that is a, a beat down for the number one seed in his home country. I mean, this is a, a we talked, we were like crushing Djokovic for losing to Fokina a, a few weeks ago. I mean, this is a way worse loss than that for Zverev. Uh, this is a bad loss uh, with a capital B and a capital L. God, I love when Zverev loses. Um, and I'm God, I love it when you're right. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Holger Rune, you think he wins this one or what? You you got a chance to make a prediction here again. He he's on the top of this bracket. There's very little competition. Oh, we're gonna talk about the top half of this bracket when we get to it. But yes, uh, I do have him going pretty far, Derek, for okay. sure. I'll, I'll wait for that one. Let's let's see if you go back to back with this one. Well, he's facing uh, Emil Rusevori uh, next, uh, who dusted uh, Max, Maxime Cressy 2-0, uh, which we played, which was only, my again, similar to the Rublev uh, Fonini bet, was minus 105. Easy money. Um, posted that. Runa is a minus 157 on the money line, two-and-a-half game favorite. Versus Rusu. Rusu uh, is a, I mean, he's got some decent clay wins this season. I mean, he's, he's beating some clay quarters, but, but I do think Holger has a slight edge here. Although I don't like the, I wish, I mean, I would love for line movement to help me, guide me on this play. I mean, this is going to be out before people, I mean, this match will be over before. You know, people listen to this podcast, so uh, it's tough to like give a, a, a you know. I'll give my prediction. I think Holger's going to win. I don't like the line though. I wish it was close. To, I like. I, I I do feel like the value is kind of on Russo. Yeah, minus one fifty seven for two and a half games. Dude, that's like the classic. You're going to lose line. <laughs> we. I watched FAA lose with that. I watched someone else lose to that last week. Um, that's a lot of juice for not very many games. I agree. Ugh, it, yeah. All right. So who do you think won in the past 
<laughs> I guess. <laughs> or you, I guess you went with Runa. I did go. I moved. I advanced. I advanced him pretty far. So he, 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 this might be a whole bracket killer if he loses before you're even listening to this. Okay, so I'm wondering, what do you think about Jirasimov? Because I never know All what right. to do with this freaking guy. Gerasimov. Okay, so I tweeted out today the G in Gerasimov now stands for God of Clay because the unlikely Clay Quarter, who was struggling on hardcore, and that's kind of his surface, couldn't even qualify for Miami. Losing to Nishioki in Miami has now won six of seven matches on Clay, including against Millman today. And you might scoff, be like, Millman? I mean, that's not a Clay Quarter either. Could beat him. Okay, well, he's also beat Montero. And our guy, maybe my guy, uh, Francisco Sorondolo here on clay. Nice that we highlighted him. I mean, this was actually the exact spot we said to like spy him, which was in a quali during clay season. And he loses to Grossimov. <laughs> Thank you, Francisco. Um, but impressive run by uh, Igor here. Now he's only a three-game dog to Bodic. Not exactly a clay guy either, although he profiles a little bit more than than Igor. Uh, but he feels pretty live here, all things considered. Um, I'm not sure what to make of this fucking out of nowhere run, but I give him respect. And I wanted to say his name out loud. You got to give him props sometime, especially when he wins like two matches that we were just talking about. One of them was a qualifier. <laughs> Six uh, to seven, Derek. Come on. Okay, worth mentioning. Okay, Bodek, as we said before, that guy has like been within our graces and then just been on our shit list. And now he's at this point where we don't know what the hell to do with him. Going against Igor. Ugh. Yeah, this... Okay, first of all, this tournament has such middling tennis players that it's just kind of difficult just to predict on who the hell is going to win every match. Well, I feel like we're suffering from the week before back-to-back thousands. Uh, That's that's kind of the the symptoms of both of these draws, Derek. Yeah, it's like these things are taking place on practice courts at Madrid or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we're like, like we record on Wednesday and we're talking about Bodic VDZ and fucking (laughs) Igor Grasimov. Yeah, uh, not exactly the sexiest field. They're like they're covering qualifiers and challenger <laughs> events now. What the fuck am I listening to? <laughs> okay, so I'm just gonna put my eggs in with uh, Bodek here. Uh, I think he's just a better tennis player all around. So I, I mean, if I'm gonna just try and split hairs with both these guys, there's no point because I could do that forever. I think I would just go with Bodek. Yeah, I, I I I actually feel like he's a little bit undervalued here at my minus three. I, I'm going to take Bodic as well. As much as I love betting on trends with uh, Grasimov, I'm, I feel like that trend's going to end. But the, I mean, he is a little Bodic is a little bit more of a proven clay quarter than than Igor, and I yeah, I mean minus I feel like it's a bit undervalued at this point. Um, but what's I like very games though, yeah, like three whole games. It's like just so much better than obviously three and a half. Oh, and for sure, yeah, it's for sure. Having out, you know, well, was the very out, Derek? I mean, you pointed out that the top half of this draw is pretty wide open. I mean, you have first of all, Opelka hasn't even played yet, which is mind blowing considering it's about to be Thursday. Um, and he's playing Atta, Oscar Atta. I, I have Oscar winning that match to be honest. Okay. Yeah. Reason being that feeling. I Yeah, feeling. I mean, this is a true cold spot ahead of a 1000 for Opelka. Yeah. I mean, Ate this I mean, <laughs> I definitely feel like it matters more to the Ate side than the Opelka side. Yeah. I think yeah. Who knows what Opelka's deal is? And he's days. not a clay quarter. I mean, I would say that like on clay, Ate is like much the much more um like well established on clay or yeah, for sure. Versus Opelka. Not that Opelka is like he's had some clay success, certain tournaments. And there's that one where Isner Houston. also does 
Yeah, well, besides Houston, there's that one where Isner does well too. But uh, so Ote's got to be getting some game series then, yeah. He's getting two and a half, hmm. which is kind of light. I mean, I mean, they've really booked this in a tough spot. It's two and a half games for Ate, and then plus one seventy on the money line. Yeah, the odds makers always give um, Opelka just little games, just because he doesn't break very often. Obviously, that's not part of his well, game. Let's hear our own advice. Look at the the set bets. Hmm, Ate only minus one. He doesn't meet the thresh the threshold. Opelka is minus one or minus five twenty five to win a set. <laughs> And I'll tell you, it's like minus what one what, one seventy five to what I said. Yeah, it's under the rule of thumb. Hmm. Hmm. I still kind of like Ate. I'm. I. I think the odds makers are wrong here. I think Ate is pretty live, but I could be proven wrong very easily. I have been wrong before, Derek. Oh, have you? Oh, no. Um. But let's listen to the names here in the top half, Derek. Rune Runa. Rusevori, Opelka, Ate, Tabilo, Gaston. One of those guys is going to be in the final. <laughs> all right, let's put all those guys' names in a hat and let's just draw one. It's it's yeah. kind of a crazy week. And then uh, the bottom half actually has uh, Keshmanovich and Rude. So I, I have I'm, I'm going to steal a, a page out of your playbook, and I have Keshmanovich winning this whole thing. I'm done backing Rude. I'm not going to back him for the third straight week. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. <laughs> Sometimes so. there's a different result, though. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. Kosmanovich, uh, though, uh, I'm, I'm on the if you can't beat him, join him train. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take a page out of your book and take Casper Rude here. Yes. He knows it is his to win. I mean, this is Rude's to win. Yeah. But I have also said that like two weeks in a row. (laughs) I can't. Three, I mean, what what did, uh, what did they say? Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool Mm -hmm. me three times. I'm just a fucking idiot. (laughs) I think I added that last part, but you get my point. I'm pretty sure that's part of it. Um, yeah, I'm just going to go with Casper here. Uh, he's got to win this. I mean, it's his to lose, like you said. No, but you are the one that pointed out he only wins 250s when no one's looking. Exactly. This is like the perfect opportunity when no one is caring because this draw is just kind of nuts, especially with Zverev out. I kind of feel like Gaston is kind of live, too. I, I actually have Gaston making the, the semis. He's a surprising dude. He could do something like that. So, I think Gaston beats Tabilo. Uh, and then yeah. I think he's going to beat either with that. Ate or Opelka. I don't know about that. I don't think Ate is going to beat Opelka. And Gaston, ugh, yeah, he could be an extremely tricky player against Opelka. We just watched him beat Isner in Miami. So, yeah, exactly. So, he could. I, I just don't think he's going to do it. It's a, It's this is really testing our metal. It is. <laughs> week before back to back thousands, we'll be back with like I don't know. This is a tough week, so let's let's just go ahead and pivot to the next one. How do we say this, Derek? ATP East Real East Real East Real East Real. Exactly. Yeah, I didn't name the city. I wish I did. I wouldn't have named it Easter Real. Well, we're kind of burying the lead here because we're, I mean, we're, as we do, this is the burying the lead segment actually in the show where we have something we really want to talk about deep in the show. And we're on full Ramos tilt right now. Okay. Uh, I posted this guy to win 2 0 against Quan. Who is 
I'm actually a Quan backer, but on I mean he he is an indoor hard player. That's his surface. Okay, this is a tournament Ramos won, and I we're getting plus one ten for him just to beat Quan in straights. And so what does he do? Of course he loses the first set, and then what happens after that? He wins twelve three the rest. Of the way. <laughs> I'm glad I'm able to laugh at this. Okay, so my story is that uh, David's my boy, so I didn't have the heart to tell him that I actually took Quan three and a half games here, and I posted that bet. And then so David over here is freaking pissed to the tits because Quan uh, takes the first set. I'm I'm sitting pretty at now five and a half games. I was like, okay, as long as he doesn't like. Amber turned the bed for the rest of this match. I think he's got this. So, and the, the other thing is, is that this is like one of those bets that like I even got my friends in on. So when you post an L and your friends are in on it, especially if they don't watch tennis whatsoever. Oh, dude, you get an earful of a bunch of crap. Uh, so he was up. What? Seven, five. He won the first set. Seven, five. And then he won three games the rest of the match. So that that one hurt. What the hell happened there? It was brutal, dude. I mean, Ramos yeah. is maybe the most frustrating player I've ever tried to put my money on. I wouldn't. I, I I'm done. I think this is an official. Um, I'm putting in my pa- retirement papers. Um, I will never bet in a match involving uh, Ramos ever again. This is it. I mean. How do you lose the first set and then just fucking boat race the guy the rest? <laughs> like, we, where were you the first set? We bet on opposite guys and we both lost. Dude, well, Quan is a classic fucking wins the first set, then just we can't fucking keep that level. Like he did that against Rublev like two months ago, where he, I think I I I posted him plus four. And he won the first set and he didn't cover. He got bangled in the, in the last set or something. Yeah, that was brutal. Okay. So then I did take a look and I did see that Quan won a set in the last 12 or 13 matches. So he hasn't lost the straight sets in a while. So that was my thought process going into it. And well, it's a good deep dive. I was just playing service and player. I mean, you can't really, it's, it's a good, like that was a good test of uh, a trend versus like playing just straight up circumstance. Yeah, and I just got greedy. It's because it's like, given my analysis, I should have taken the over. And I think that was around like 1 minus 130 was the over at like 22 and a half. Instead, I took the three and a half games at like minus 110. Uh, just just for as a tip, whatever your analysis, analysis says, stick with that. Don't Don't try to like squeeze any more uh benefits out of that or just sorry, as a tip to... don't put your money in a, a ramos match yeah he also gave uh alcaraz his first atp win oh, okay yeah that did happen you know all about that one yeah he was 16 years old um all right derek well team dominic team who we all know and love uh, he loses again as a three and a half game favorite to benjamin bonzi tough matchup bonzi has had a nice 2022 so far i mean if you're just a guy who wants to fade team because he looks like he sucks right now that was a nice win for you um i mean it's kind of like i I, I, as a better i'm like i I can't you can't bet team right now for i mean until you see it i mean he's a full fade yeah he's not like djokovic either like i I don't even know him getting better anytime soon like, he just doesn't look good out there. His forehand is horrible. And Bonzi just just drenched that side of the court. Yeah, I, I regret not just, like, just going after him. I mean, because you feel like, here's the thing with guys like this. You, you, you don't, you don't want to be on the wrong side of the match where he just snaps into place. No, but. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon, though. Like he hasn't shown any progress in his last couple. No, he matches. stinks. Here, yeah. So I bet against him, and he's still probably gonna be a decent sized favorite. I think he was like a, a minus two 
something against Bonzi. No, he was a three and a half game favorite. Three, three and a half. Oh, I mean like minus two hundred money line. Oh yeah, no, Bonzi was a nice dog that cashed easy. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Francis Tiafo has been putting on a show in this tournament, and by that I mean every match is crazy dramatic. <laughs> Goes down a set and a break twice to come back and beat Dusan Lajovic. Uh, he got big. He got bagled by this guy in Miami last year and came back to win in three. Um, so I kind of figured something like that might happen again. He needed three sets to beat Buzzy Challenger Bro Nuno Borges, uh, who faux bageled in the third after two tight sets. Uh, the big news, though, is, uh, and I want to point out here, we were having a laugh about this yesterday, is, uh, you know, tennis writer Jose Morgado, who I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, you know. Um, you can call him the tennis Woj, tennis Schefter, um, tennis Schefter. Indeed. <laughs> he tweeted out that he talked to foe and he told, uh, and he was told foe is sick. Um, I will say that didn't move any sort of line <laughs> because foe actually went up as a favorite, but man, this guy is an agent of disinformation. Don't believe anything. This guy tweets out when it comes to his relationship with players. I actually believe that kind of of all tennis media they're just uh, after the fritz injury at indian wells i think everyone is lying to us yeah got burned on that fritz one uh this one uh when i saw morgado's tweet i was gonna bet uh tiafo before i saw the morgado tweet and then i was like i can't bet on a guy that's ill <laughs> and tiafo was only minus one and a half games and i was like god i gotta take him and then i didn't I just wussed out of that bet. All thanks to Jose Morgado's Twitter account. <laughs> like just well, one, that's, one tweet made me stop. Like I, <laughs> that was it. It only took one tweet from some guy I do not know who just posts almost useless information. So he just well, remember he's part of the media and he's supposed to deliver drama and that's basically what he does. Well, I've had a lot going on in my life. Uh, I haven't been as active on the free plays this week. Although I have to say, I mean, it's kind of a in-betweener week, so I'm not like trying to be super active. Yeah. Um, but like, uh, <laughs> I mean, why salty alpha open up minus 134 against Nuna Borges, who like, <laughs> I think is a fine player. Like, I'm not trying to hate on him, but I'm like, really? Like there's like, I mean, the books have no idea how to book Tiafo no. for real. Like sometimes they book him minus 400. Like he shouldn't be <laughs> minus 400 against anyone. And he should certainly shouldn't have been minus 134 against Nuno Borges. Like he should have been a fucking opened up like minus 160. Yeah, at guy. least. It yeah. didn't make any sense to me. Like, Borges, no. Yeah, he wins challenger events. Big deal. Sucks yeah, he's me. on a heater at the challenger level. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All right. But Tiafos <laughs> ill. He's sick. He didn't go to a party. End quote. Jose Morgado. Thank you very much. He needs a tweet less. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, a lot of people, t- I, a lot of the tennis people get shit. I'll, I'll, I'll support him. Jose. I'll support you, Tennis Woj, Tennis yeah. Schefter. <laughs> all right, Derek. Well, I'll tell you what. This is another um, draw that is a bit lopsided because all the big guns are on one side. The top half has Corda, FAA, and Fokina. The bottom half has Ramos and Chilich. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and some other clay guys. <laughs> I like how Verdasco basically has the number two seed as a lucky loser. <laughs> that guy got a, a bye in the first round, and he's a lucky loser. Oh, Ramos is defending all these points right now. <laughs> yeah. That's the returning champ. <laughs> yeah, if you're wondering why Ramos won last year, just look at the players that are playing this thing. <laughs> like he's gonna have to have like only like one upset <laughs> to win this thing. Uh, dude, I'm saying he like dude who is I mean, like I, I mean I still stand by my bet. Like he shouldn't be Quan 2 oh, this motherfucker. 
What are you even doing, dude? He beat him 2-0 after the first set. <laughs> Bovada doesn't look at it that way, but he did. Oh, my God. Dude, he dropped the set to Jordan Thompson. I thought that was kind of like what juiced the odds a little bit. Which I'm mean, like, okay, like if it's a rando, drop a set to Jordan Thompson, whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's straight up playing dudes who are hard quarters. Like, <laughs> even like if he, he's probably going to beat Verdasco. And then he's gonna yeah, play he, Chillage. Like he's gonna play. He's gonna play one clay court player up into the final. Even Jordan Thompson's like lost the first round. And he's probably just kicking himself. He's like, dude, if I won this first round, I probably had a solid chance of winning this whole tournament. But we do get. Um, I mean, if all things considered, if uh, if Leaks can beat Tabiner, which is a tall task for him, it went three sets just last week. Um. I think he. I think he does. Then we get. I. I think this is. I. This Corda is my guy. In this. I. Th- I. I'm. I'm tagging Corda to win this thing. This feels like a very um, low pressure, low key spot for Corda to pull through and get a title here. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a low key victory. And Marin Chilich typically wins at least one tournament a year. At a very low key 250. So I'm going to go with Marin here. You're going to go with Chilich? I'm going to go with Chilich, the guy that's played two clay matches all season. I think he's one and one. Don't take my advice on this. Um, that's a big upset. But I'm just going to go with Chilich on this because I think this is anyone's game. The theme is in between her, in between tournament. I like your bold call here. I mean, first off, let's just point out that he's a dog to Baez, who, I mean, I think we're both Sebastian Baez um, fans. We, we love him. Podcast favorite. I mean, Chilich was literally just a favorite to Fritz on clay two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now he's a dog to Baez. And I know that that's like, you know, what have you done for me lately a bit? But at the same time, I feel like that's a bit over over of an overreaction. And man, Chilich feels very alive against Bias here. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm not actually a huge Bias man. I, I, I was <laughs> after the ATP final. I thought he was very impressive there. And then I saw him play players that were, well, older. And <laughs> he hasn't really shown up for me. Yeah. I mean, he. You know what? I'm just gonna take Chilich money line just because I just made some bold call here. I mean, you should. All right. Well, who do you have in the final? Uh, so I'm gonna take Chilich, and I mean, my gut is telling me to take Fokina, but I will take. Hell, I'm gonna go with Tiafo. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm we're on bold, the same page. Bold versus bold here. I like Giafa to beat Fakina. Yeah, I'm just gonna have fun with this. One. That that feels like such a letdown spot for Fokina. What's the, what's the odds right now? Okay, yes, plus three, plus one seventy. I wish it was a little bit more, but damn, they're actually. Uh, why isn't Fokina a bigger favorite? That yeah, would be like he's playing games. some guy that's sick. He was just know? in the money final. Why are they like, fuck, fuck? Now I don't know. Now I don't know. I do like Tiafa to win though. Uh huh. I would like Tiafa to win three games for Fokina. I would have expected that to be more. Big. I mean, Sounds big like a good fo- play. I mean, Fokina did beat Zapata. Oh, okay. he has a game in. He has a he has a match in. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is this is a tough week because it's <laughs> the draws are pretty funky. But I, I have Corda versus Ramos, and I have Corda winning this thing. I'm that's that's, okay. that's my final um, my final statement. And um, I have nothing against that, and and that's all I have on this. <laughs> All right, Derek. Well, this is my favorite time of the week. I hope this is a highlight for other people as well. Uh, just a little carve out a little time to talk some tennis, talk some ATP, talk some gambling. Uh, we will be posting some some free plays. It's been a bit slow this week, but uh, we'll have some out there. Uh, we're one and two on the plays this week, but last week we were seven and five. The week before that, we were eleven and six. So. 
decent. We're doing decent um, yeah. in recent memory. So, um, Derek, any final words? Uh, no, not much. Uh, just tune in next week. We're going to be obviously talking about Madrid. Uh, it's a 1,000, so we're going to be having a full house of players. And we won't be talking about how Fernando Verdasco got a buy as a lucky loser in the first round or how Marin Cilic possibly might win a tournament. <laughs> It'll be a little bit more exciting in between week, but um, I'm glad we are back or keeping it going. And uh, until next time, see you on the court.